But why I can do what I do right now is the way I show up is me being me. It's not me trying to hide. It's not me trying to pretend. It's not me trying to front. It's me leaning into the skills that I have been honing for the past 25 plus years. everyone and welcome to Everyday Leadership. I'm sure this is not a voice that you were expecting to hear when you tuned into this podcast today, but you have got the right space. This is S and Felucy. It's just a different S today. You're used to hearing my husband, Chopper and Felucy, but today you get me as your host. I am Shireen and Felucy and I have the pleasure of being married to the host of, or the usual host of this podcast. He is a husband. He is my best friend. He's a father of my children. He's an executive leadership coach, a podcaster, uh, so much more. The founder of Mindset Shift. Where can I start but to introduce you to Shopper at Belusi? Uh, today is a very, very special edition of the podcast. We are actually celebrating show number 100, which <laughs> is really exciting. And we've just decided to turn the tables a little bit. You're used to hearing him ask all the questions of his great guests, but we thought it'd be great if he was the guest of episode 100 so we get to hear from the man himself now i just want to say thank you on behalf of my husband to all of you who have tuned in episode after episode some of you have listened to all the 99 that preceded this one i must say i think guest number 50 was pretty good you might want to check that one out don't want to toot my own horn but but thank you so much for your love and support, the comments, the feedback, everything that you, the listeners, pour back into this show. The feedback is taken on board, listened to, the encouragement is much appreciated. So I want to say thank you on behalf of my husband to you, the listeners. So today, Mr. Agbelusi, you are in the hot seat. Where do... I even start. I have the microphone. <laughs> Does it make you nervous? You know what? I, I'm, a, I'm a calm and collected person, so I'm in safe hands. I don't need to get nervous. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So do you want to just tell everybody, like, where you are? We're not in the same space at the moment. We're separated by the waters. Let people know just, like, what's going on with you at the moment. I am currently doing this from my hotel room in Toronto, Canada. I'm currently out here for the week doing some work with my team, getting to know people that I've not worked with, but I've not seen in person. And today we are making that, or this week, I think we're making that happen. So I'm unfortunately away from my beautiful wife, my beautiful family for a week, but I will soon be back home. Great to hear. People are maybe tuning in for the very first time or they've tuned in a couple of times but maybe don't really feel like they know who you are. Can you like summarize who you are, what you do in a few sentences? Oh, who am I? Who are you? I am someone who leads from the inside out rather from the outside in. It's official. You all hate your jobs. As a father, I can encourage my kids to face their fears. As a husband, as we led a house with my wife, how can I encourage her if I was scared to do that? And that flows into every single thing I do. So as a husband of a lovely wife, um, we've been together for, for 20 years, as a father of our two beautiful children, as someone who talks about his faith a lot, and that's a key pivotal foundation pillar to how I show up, to someone who is an exec coach, someone who's a founder, all my clients, 
That's one of the key principles I'm all about is leading from inside out rather than outside in. And why, the reason why that's important is it's very easy to let your external environment dictate who you are. It's very easy to let your other people, their thoughts, their comments, their aspersions, all of those kind of different things define who you are. But when you lead from the inside out, that means you lead from a space where you have control. At least from a space where you are leading from your authenticity. You're leading from a space where God has created all the gifts and talents inside of you and you're birthing them through the way that you are showing up in the world. You don't let other people dictate all of that. You don't let people put the limitations on you. As a black man growing up in the UK, I've had that. I mean, my name is Shopper Belusi. Like, it's not a Tom. It's not Harry. It's not, it's not easy sounding name. No, from the first day when the teacher was struggling to say my name on the roster, it was, I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to, it's going to be a trip. So I've always had that challenge and that battle. And I had to learn over the years to, rather than listening to all the, what other people said around, oh, you're never going to do this, or your name's going to stop you from doing this, or you're never going to progress into this, or you got young, so you married, you had kids too young. All this kind of different things. It's been like, no, but what does God say about me? Like, who has he created me to be? Leading from the inside out, rather from the outside in, is defined who I am. Thank you. Great answer. So one of the things I know you often talk about is how being a husband and a father has taught you a lot about leadership, how to lead yourself and how to lead, lead others. So maybe just give us some of the highlights. What are some of the top things that you have learned about leadership from being a married man and a father? The first one that comes to mind, which I'm still learning to work in progress, is communication. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's, that's a load of... Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. But no, it's um, one of the things around communication has been, there are times when we have conversations, there are times when you might say certain things to me that I don't necessarily want to hear or take in. And over the years, it's learning that not to always go into that defensive kind of mold. Like I said, there are times when I don't get it right, but there are times, and but a lot of times I still take a step back, I still reflect. And marriage in particular has taught me to be able to, they would say the hardest walk is to walk from your perspective to someone else's. And being married has kind of taught me to be able to start to learn and understand how to, to walk that line, walk across that line. And like I said, it doesn't always happen. There are times it takes a little while longer than you would like for that to happen, but it's, it's still there. And that key principle has actually helped me to be able to lead teams of people who were 10, 15, 20 plus years older than me because it helped me to start to relate and to understand and to empathize with with them. It helped me to really start to see the person, which is something else I also learned in marriage. Um, one of the biggest things is I always say in particular is the person I, I got married to, the person I was is not who I am right now and neither are you. So we have to take that time to consistently and continually introduce ourselves to each other. And in that introduction, that requires intentionality. Those are the same principles that you have with people that you have when you're working with. You have to take the time to be intentional with them, to get to know them, to ensure that their progress is still aligned and their values are still aligned to wherever the objective of the company or the organization is. Because there are times where you can just have people who are just sat there and they're just like, I'm bored. I don't really want to do this. But for you to get the best out of people, you need to be very, very intentional. Now, that might take a lot longer than a lot of organizations or a lot of leaders apply to their people. But it's longer in the short term, better in the long term. You get the best out of your people that way because they actually feel seen, they feel heard. Being Having kids and being a parent has taught me to, one, I apologize. <laughs> Growing up in a Nigerian household, like me apologizing to my kids. Nah, mate, that's that's not that's not what we do. That's that's not the norm. But I have learned to be able to 
apologize to my children. I have learned to be able to not dismiss them when they come up with an idea or when they say something, but really lean into that as well. I've learned to have my my views challenged. And there's something around someone who loves you and cares about you, but when they challenge you, it cuts deep. It hits a whole different part of who you are. But being able to do that at home, when I'm in a, when we're in a professional environment, I can easily get my views challenged. It's okay. Like, it's not the end of the world. And that's allowed me to, to have a, either a learner's mindset or beginner's mindset that you want to call it. Those are some of the things that I have been able to learn and adapt from from being together for the last 21 years, having two two teenage kids. These are some of those principles that have helped shape my mindset, shape my mentality. I've taken into a work environment and they've helped me to, to thrive and navigate. And I guess the biggest thing I also say is my family in particular have helped me step outside my comfort zone. In what way? There's a lot of things that come up and I'm like, I think if I go back to what's in my leading from the outside and leading from the inside out, there are a lot of times when you have a family, they can either push you forward or they can hold you back. Hold it back in the sense that I don't want to take that risk or I don't want to take that chance because what we have right now is okay or is good and I don't want to throw that away. But for me, how I saw it is actually I don't ever want to be in a position how we both live. I don't want to be in that position where I'm encouraging my children to step into new things, new opportunities to feed their curiosity and I'm not doing the same. So that means that I need to constantly keep on elevating and, and moving forward, which sometimes means taking some scary decisions. It means a lot of times taking some faith decisions. But that, for me, is modeling the right behavior for my family. Because by me stepping into that and taking those faith decisions, and Lord knows a lot of times inside I'm terrified, and the outside I don't already show it. But inside I'm like, oh my gosh, this could go wrong. Oh my gosh. Are we going to cope? What's going to happen for us financially? And so many different iterations of that. But I don't let that fear define me or stop me. I instead lean to one, God, because that's the foundation. But two is like, why am I actually doing this? Well, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this because I want to model that lifestyle for my children. I want to model a way of moving and operating for my children. And that keeps them driving me forward. So talking about faith then, I'm guessing as a coach, the various different conversations that you have with people. So you personally, your faith is a big driver. As you have said, it's, it's foundational to everything that you do. But I guess you can't necessarily talk about faith, the Bible, biblical principles with your clients openly. How do you use your faith to help you in what you do and help others in what they do? I don't openly talk about my faith in directly with the clients I work with. Actually, there's probably been one or two who actually are Christian. I'm going to have, to have this kind of conversation. But yes, you're absolutely correct. Generally speaking, I don't. However, my, one of the principles around faith and um, being a Christian for me, what it comes down to is around relationships and it's about loving other people. And how I demonstrate that is I work with a spectrum of clients. And every conversation that I have, every coaching session I have, every team group coaching session that I have or worship I'm running or program that I'm running, I go in there with that lens of openness and of love. That for me is important where it's not about judging anyone. It's not about scrutinizing anyone. It's literally about going to those conversations with an open slate that says, how can I best serve this person or this people or this group of people that I'm working with in the best possible way? That for me is fundamental. And then the interesting thing is a lot of the theories and the frameworks that people use, whether it's big consultancies like the McKenzie's or different things, they actually have a massive foundation in faith. They have a massive foundation in Proverbs or in different iterations of the Bible. So a lot of times I'm just smiling, looking at these, the ways these different things work. But for me, it's utilizing those principles to be able to 
ask questions in a particular way through a particular lens. It's taken what I know, taken my experiences and mixed that together with other systematic ways of thinking to be able to present stuff to people. So it's not, it might, you might hear that and it doesn't sound like anything to do with faith or sound in a spiritual way whatsoever. But the person who actually gives me the way to be able to think the way I do is God. Therefore, actually, naturally, by me showing up and doing me, I'm actually utilizing my faith. I'm leaning into the obedience. The work and the business that I, I have now came from me being obedient to God rather than staying in what I was previously doing, which was a whole different career and a whole different chapter in my life. So by me actually showing up and doing this and having these conversations and challenging people and asking these conversations and being intentional about changing the narrative, I am seeing the impact it's having on the lives of the people that I'm working with and the lives of the people that they're leading. And that for me is the impact driven by faith. And I guess what you're saying as well is that a lot of these, like a lot of the biblical principles that you're aware of, they're just packaged differently in a secular world. They're called something different, but when you break them down, a lot of them are biblical principles that have just been called other things and, you know, the buzzwords attached to them and that sort of thing. So tell us a little bit more about, you just mentioned there how your faith has helped you to be where you are today and take some steps, not just like settle and stay where you were. For those people who don't know that journey one, that's looked like for you into what you're doing now. I know it's been over a number of years, but can you kind of like summarize what that journey has been for what you were doing to, to where you are now and how faith has played a big part in the moves? I always stop and pause and see which which are the faith <laughs> iterations that I want to go for start with. The first one that I can actually think of was linked to our daughter. I remember when we were we were talking about having having Naya. And at that point in time I was like, it's a hard things up. Things are tough. We were cold. We're trying to figure things out. To people who don't know. Paul is a is a level below poor. You know, when you're when you when you can complete the four letters, the P-O-O-R, yeah. You're right. You are not you're not below the breadline just yet. When you're poor, you can't afford the O and the R. You can just afford the P and the O. That's the level we were at that point in time. And I was like, I don't like I was things to get better, things to improve. And at that point in time, again, I was working away, I was working in London at that point in time and I was praying for a move back home. I was praying for a move that included like my, like my CMA, my chartered accountant to be paid for. I didn't want, I had like a list of different things that I was, <laughs> that I was praying for at that point in time. And bear in mind, this was still like coming off the back of a recession. So it was just, it just seemed like a very crazy wish list. And I clearly heard like God's voice saying like, you know what, have, go for it, have your second child and everything else will work out. I was like, like, Lord, are you sure? Like, this will make no sense. But I listened to it. And within a couple of months of listening to his voice, we're blessed to be fortunate to have, or to, to have an, an act conceived. And I got a role. I got a role that ticked every single box that I talked about. And that for me was the start of, of that journey in a sense. Because then since then, fast forward that career moving and I'd spent a decade plus like working towards a director kind of level in different finance iterations alongside of that I'd like built software for a number of years alongside my finance role so I was really enjoying what I was doing I was in a great space I was in a company that really liked and appreciated me and I, and I felt the, the I felt God saying that it was time for me to kind of step out I had this long-term like 10-year kind of plan of okay when I'm like 38 I'm gonna move from this and move into create my new company then and probably start contracting. I had this all kind of mapped out. And way back, like God came and was like, no, like what, what are you waiting for? It's, it's time for you to kind of step out. And me and you had that conversation. I always say that was probably one of the hardest conversations to have. <laughs> where I'm like, like God, God has spoken to me and he's asking me to quit. And my wife's asking me like, to go and do what? Like, I don't know, but, <laughs> but I kind of feel this, like, this is what he's asking me to step into. 
That doesn't provide psychological safety, by the way. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay, let's go and pray about it. And we prayed about it. And she also heard and we leaned into it. But even before that actually happened, the directorship that I kind of worked towards to the point where I had the finance director of the company I was working with at that point in time, this is a Fortune 50 company. He flew in from the US, came to the UK, and he's like, I heard you're leaving. I don't want you to go. We've been watching you for a number of years. You're absolutely amazing. Here's the title, the package, blah, blah, blah. But he gave me everything that I had been working towards, laid it out on the package for me. And it was so tempting just to say yes. And I still turned it down and said no and started my company. I was speaking to recruiters at that point in time, like, yo, I'm creating this. I want to get some, some contracts. And they're telling me no, that I'm moving from a permanent role to create my own company, to contract and role. I don't have the skill. They taught me so many different things. And it was just like negativity after negativity after negativity. But I still listened to God very clear, strong, direct. And because like, when me and my wife were aligned, they should like, yo, let's, let's go for it. We'll figure it out. I'm like, cool. I got God on my side. I got my I got my wife on my side. It's me against the world. Like that's 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 all I that's all I needed, and stepped into that, and that started a, a journey of, um, great one great contract to another one, which led to me like I think generating I think it was between eight hundred to like a billion dollars in sales for an organization over the period of time that I I ran my first my first company. And it allowed me to, to really start to make a difference and make an impact. One thing I really, really wanted to do was like turn things around when it comes to people, when it comes to culture, when it comes to being the only one in the room, which is all the different things I felt when I worked previously in corporate. But I couldn't do that freely. And it wasn't an easy thing to do, especially when I'm moving from one role in finance, commercial into something else. But being able to go into turnaround projects, so these were projects that were failing. And they called me up like, this is, this is failing. Can you step into it? One, it's a lot of pressure on me. And two, like, obviously, as you can imagine, the levels of success is like, yo, there's a good chance you're going to flop this and you flop this. That's your reputation. God. However, I was able to turn those around and do that in a way where it was like, okay, let's, let's throw the rule book out. Let's uh, apply a different approach. Let's stop looking at the people that we're working with as in, in the complicated kind of domain and recognize the fact that they're complex. Let's be very intentional. Let's change some of the software. There were so many changes I could make in a short space of time because I had the freedom I told them to do that. And they now saw the impact. And then it became that conversation. So how do we do this more with other parts of our of organization, of our company? And that was my first in, my first opening, which felt good. And I felt like I was doing what I had been called to do. But little did I know that that was just the preparation. God wanted to see if I was going to be obedient and faithful in the small. Because by me stepping out of my of that organization corporate at that point in time and, and setting on my first company, what that enabled us to happen for our family is my wife to step into her purpose and do what she needed to do, which for me has always been like, I, I don't want to be just me living my dream and then my wife's just chilling or the rest of my family's chilling. We're doing this together. So she was able to step into what she wanted to do, step into the life that God had called her into. But I had to go first, and then she she did she did her. So and life was good, you know. Life was moving in the right direction. Life was we're doing all right, you know. We're doing okay. There's some times. We're just there some times. Some hairy moments compared compared to where we started. Where we since when we started to where we were then, that was a very very different ball game but then in after doing that for a number of years felt god saying to me this is not it like this is not what you've been called in to do what is that skill set that you've had what is the thing that you do that others find difficult but you find easy what is that thing and for me it was it was coaching I've been asking, starting with myself and then others, I've been asking questions for the best part of 23 plus years. I've been always curious around how people think, how people approach things. 
always been there to be able to challenge people's thinking. I've been there to share alternative perspectives, whether they're needed sometimes. They're not always they're not always wanted. <laughs> they're not always wanted. But that's that's been a skill set that I've had and utilized all throughout my career. So do you think that's how you've been able to build your brand or build different brands? We're in a world where loads of people call themselves a coach. And those are things, the things that you're describing, is that what set you apart? I think what set me apart was being very, was being authentic. A lot of people can't easily call themselves a coach. They can get qualified just like, like, just like I was. But I think the, the difference is, one, not only did I have the, the corporate background, now the corporate background, I have the startup founder background as well. The two things that definitely helped me out. But then the key things around how do you know how to be able to ask people questions and not bring yourself into, the, into that room in that environment? How do you know how to be able to utilize models and when, when not to utilize models? And there's some people that you listen to and they can reel out model after model after model and they are absolutely amazing at that. But I was like, how do you actually apply this? That's the difference. My approach as a coach is, I always say, especially with the leaders I work with, it's I'm going to take a step out of your current world and allow you to get some time to reflect. And in that reflection piece, you're going to get some clarity and then you're going to take authentic action. It's always around slow things down, get some clarity, and then do you in your own way. That's what I think kind of sets me apart. My brand, like I said, I started off as a chartered accountant. That's what I did for years. Even the the sales things I did, the software, building software, all, all of that kind of stuff. Again, all in a completely different world to step into what I'm doing right now. But why I can do what I do right now is the way I show up is me being me. It's not me trying to hide. It's not me trying to pretend. It's not me trying to front. It's me leaning into the skills that I have been honing for the past 25 plus years and using in different spaces and places now to make a, a bigger and better impact in the cultures, to be very, very intentional around equity, to be intentional around creating psychological safety, with intentional around challenging the norms and the status quo. Because I have been in environments where people have tried to put me in a box and I didn't like the box. The box does not suit me. The box is too, too small for who I am. And therefore I broke out that box. And now I am encouraging and challenging and shifting people to break out the different boxes that they've either put themselves in, other people have put them in and they just stayed in their snug. That's what it comes to when, when I, when I called it mindset shift, that was the intention about it. How can we begin to actually shift minds of the individuals, minds of the companies, cultures in the companies and the spaces and places, and really start to live a completely different life, a life that you've been called to do, a life that you really want to live, not a life that you've been told you need to live. So what do you say then to that person listening who is very aware that in a box, whatever that box might look like, that has been like they've been placed in and they know they need to get out. They desperately want to get out. What are you saying to that person? Recognizing that you're actually in a box is actually, it's actually key. Then once you start to recognize that, okay, you are in a box, who has the keys to that box? Do you hold the keys or does someone else? Because when you're in, in that space, if it's a box other people have created for you, that means that other people have told you, I don't know, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not tall enough, you're not pretty enough. This is all you're ever going to be. And therefore, other people hold the, hold the keys to that box. But if it's stuff that you're telling yourself, just how you view yourself and you're viewing yourself in negative life, then you hold the key. So by recognizing those two things, then the different, then you're going to have different approaches. Because if it's about other people, then you now start to be like, well, okay, if all the people are saying the different things to me, is there any truth to that? Because there are times when people tell us stuff where there is some truth to it. And recognizing, is there any truth to it? Is there anything I can do with the feedback of the criticism I'm getting? Can I, can I utilize it in any way, shape, or form to actually help me to grow and develop? If the answer is no, then let it go. If the answer is no, leave it behind, walk away from it, and keep it moving. If the answer is yes, then take whatever that 
is that you can do something with, utilize it and see it as a stepping stone and then keep on walking. But either way, don't stop. Don't stay in that box. When it's, if it's you and your internal messaging, what are you feeding your mind? What are you listening to? What are you watching? All the different things play a massive difference. I mean, you listen, you talk to people and they talk about they have low self-confidence and they spend all their scrolling social media. You're feeding that. What are you watching on your, on your phone, on YouTube, whatever it is? Is it things that are making you feel really, really bad about yourself? All the different, those are things that you can actually change. You have control. That's the biggest thing that people don't recognize is we have control. We can choose what we watch. We can choose what we listen to. We can choose who we hang around with. And a lot of times it means that we have to make some difficult, tough choices. And sometimes it means leaving, leaving even family behind because there are times when family environments are not the best environments for you. But once the pandemic was a good example where you had people who couldn't spend time with other people. And then all of a sudden, at a time when their mental health should be going down, their mental health increased. They got better. They got stronger because they weren't around certain, certain toxic people. These are people they've known for decades, people they call good friends. And they were like, oh, wow, what's the difference here? It's not the pandemic. It's the people that you hang around with. So that's you recognizing, is it a box you've created, other people created for you? control that you have, what you feed in your mind, and then you letting go of the feedback or utilizing the feedback that was stepping still. One of the things that you talk about is like person-centered leadership and how, you know, it's about the person as a whole person, not just a job title, not a number on a list, that sort of thing. So how do you personally like lead yourself? How are you looking after your whole self, mentally, physically, emotionally, outside of your work life? The biggest thing is I try, I've been mostly good at this, getting up early in the morning. And my normal routine is wake up early in the morning and I have my devotional. So I just spend some time talking to God. And then on the back of that, I go and exercise. So Normally that's me going for a run, but due to injuries like recently, it's now been like cycling on the Peloton and trying to do that consistently. But for me, it's just about carving out that like hour early morning, not checking no emails, not getting involved with the, the world and that, that noise, but actually just having some downtime with yourself, with your mind, with God, where it's just listening. We don't listen to ourselves enough. We don't listen to that inner voice that's speaking to us enough because we wake up and as soon as we wake up, we're on our phones. The noise of the world's coming in. First time running in our new area that we've moved to. Today, I want to talk about learning to be able to voice your concern, but learning to let it go when things don't go your way. During the ideation process, it's okay to voice your concerns. Once a decision has been made and that's the direction that you've been told you're moving forward in, you get behind it because you just being a negative Nancy doesn't help anyone. It pisses your CEO off and it just shows to the rest of your team that you're not a team player. So as we wake up, we have so many different things, different, so many different distractions, or we might have family, you might have young kids, all that's around you. That's again, the world having their say. And then you do it all the way throughout and then you crash and then you start to cycle the next day. But the more you can learn to listen and create that space as you hear what your what is your what is your, your inner voice, your inner dialogue saying to you. That is so important. Because in that you'll be able to hear whether it's happy, whether it's sad, whether it's tired, and why. For me, when I have that hour, I can gain so much clarity. So a lot of times I record videos after I exercise, not only because I just had that dopamine hit from from running or whatever it is, but actually it's the fact that I have so much more clarity because it's peaceful and it's listening to my inner voice and this conversation between myself and God and what I've just read in my devotional or me thinking and planning my day ahead. Like, yeah, here's going to approach this this way, like that conversation that way, all those different things, that's just that me time. And then that's how I allow me to be able to kind of lead myself in the best possible way. 
Because the days I don't do it, I feel the effects. I, I, I physically feel the effects. Like mentally, I feel the effects as well. So that for me has been very important. And it wasn't always like that. There was, there was a time in the period where I was like, well, I was waking up really, really early, going to work early and all that kind of stuff. And I recognized that actually I want to exercise more. How can I do that? Okay, I need to carve out that time. I can't really do it after work because I'm too tired. I want to spend time with family. I need to wake up earlier. I miss sacrificing sleep. And part of you being able to know, know what works for you and know what you're willing to sacrifice when you're not. I'm not saying everyone needs to get up early at five o'clock in the morning. A lot of people think that's absolutely crazy. And they do what they're doing late at night. That's good for you. But know what that is for you. Know that's the authentic piece. That's a self-awareness piece. What works for you, your life and your schedule? And what are you willing to give up to to create the life that is best for you? And sometimes it does come with sacrifices, doesn't it? You know, I love that. What are you willing to give up to create the best life for you? That's a question that a lot of us perhaps need to ask and stop and reflect on sometimes. And I know one of the things that you do is like what you call your AGM. So your annual meeting where you go away with a group of guys that you've been friends with for a number of years and you spend some extended time together. Talk to me, talk to us about what that does for you and why you think it's important to do generally and particularly for men. Our our AGM is... AGM. <laughs> it's a group of Wait, eight of us. Can I just add a little context <laughs> to the listeners? Started off like really local in one person's house. And then it was like, okay, we're going to a different part of the UK. Now this AGM actually is like requiring flights and things. So it's definitely involved. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and you it's guys are very patient, gracious wives uh-huh. and partners that release you to do it because you see the benefit of it. So tell us what the benefit of this is. <laughs> Look, for the past 13, 13 years, there's a group of us that all went to university together. And we've, every single year we meet up. We, I'm bearing in mind, we are all in different parts of the world. So some of us are in Ghana, the UK, US. And but we've all been very, very intentional over the years that we need to spend time together. We still see we talk, we WhatsApp, we chat, all that kind of stuff all the way throughout the year. But it's always good just to get together. And the get together is is where we talk. And it's a it's a group and a space where there are no there are no secrets, there is no ego, there is no comparison. And you challenge each other continuously. When I say there are some very differing viewpoints <laughs> in that group. I'd love to be a fly on the wall. It is, it is, it is wild. It is crazy. But yet we can respectfully disagree with each other. We can push and elevate each other to be better individuals, to be better husbands, to be better parents. Now every single one in that group is married. Every single one in that group has has kids. And we are all a group of black men who are just who just grown together. And I mean, if we were just if we were still meeting in houses 13 years later, what's the growth? We have to <laughs> we have to be we have to be elevated. We have to be elevated. So us going on us taking the AGM on, on, on the road is a sign of the growth that no, has no, no, happened. No, no, no. <laughs> The AGM on the road a few years ago. The AGM is now taken to the sky. There you go. There you go. That's see, we went from being static in a house to going on the road, and now we're flying. Before you know, we we we're following like Jeff Bezos going to the moon. You know, what I mean, that's 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 the elevation okay. that we're that we're doing. But I think it's important. It's important to have a space. They ain't going to the moon. <laughs> It's important to have a space where you can just be you. A lot of times there's there's a constant comparison that can happen in other spaces. There's a, there's a constant arguing that someone's going to get upset that can happen. But when you find a group of people where you can just be you and it's not done in a negative way, it's not trying to bring you down, but it's always about preparing you. It's always about talking about your marriage like, yo, this ain't right. All right, cool. What's going on there? 
just let it all out. All those thoughts, feelings, frustrations, and you're not going to be judged. It's so freeing. And it's something that I highly, highly, highly recommend. So that's that's what we do. That's why we're very, very intentional with it. And we keep that bond and that love with um, with each other as well. I mean, I have a group of guys that I can I can freely tell you like, yo, like I love you, my brother, man. And there's there's nothing about it. I don't need to add no ends or fillers or whatever because it's a bit awkward. Like, no, those are my brothers and I love them. Yeah, and I think you're all better for it. And it's I guess it's a shame that it's happened more. But I guess people like you are doing it and talking to other people about doing it and encouraging others, then we might see more of that stuff because it is really, really important. If you haven't already, can you please follow the podcast? It really helps us grow and it tells the apps that it's a podcast worth listening to, which the fact that you're listening to means that it is and other people need to know about it. In Apple Podcast, if you click the three dots in the top right of your app, look for the follow button and click on it. And in Spotify, the follow button should be just below the show's artwork. Now let's get back into today's episode. One of the things that you often talk about is stepping outside of your comfort zone and the need to step out of your comfort zone in order to achieve certain things and in order to elevate. So how are you stepping out of your comfort zone currently? This conversation is stepping outside my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, because normally I, I spend most of my days asking questions, running workshops, all of that kind of stuff. So having this reverse is definitely me doing that. In the work I do, I'm consistently stepping outside my comfort zone. Being asked a lot of times is, okay, this is what's going on. This is what's going on with this organization. This is what's going on with this team. Can you lean into it? And the answer is like, yeah, I can. I can definitely help. I can definitely support. But you are constantly going to environments where you don't necessarily know the people that you're working with. You're constantly called into environments where you're being asked to create these programs and turn things around. People are complex individuals that don't necessarily always respond to you so i day in day out it's like oh how is this gonna go can i really really do this but i go back into that actually this is even though in theory this is new but it's not the requirement is can i see the person and i see the people i'm working with when i say see not physically see as in see, as in understand what's going on for them. Can I draw that out of them? Can I bring them together to create the unity and the cohesion and that they're trying to get to and achieve that ultimate goal that we've already discussed? And the answer is yes, so that lead into that. And there are times when you're going to try certain things out and that doesn't work. And it's learning how to be okay with that. I think the biggest thing right now, stepping outside my comfort zone, is cycling. We've taken on a, a challenge, a charity challenge that we're going to be doing next year, which requires us to cycle, I think it's what, 50, 75 miles a day or something along those lines for like seven plus days. And I have not been on a bike properly in 20 years. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that, in this, that in itself, going from not being on a bike for 20 plus years to riding that many miles in one day over that period of time, is is a challenge in itself. But the willingness is there to constantly to consistently keep on doing that and don't ever stay stay stuck. Remember a couple of years ago I did a I did a boxing match, boxing charity match, and that was again, one of the hardest things I ever did. The person who was fighting was previously boxed before. My family came down, so I had my wife there, had my kids there, had friends there from work, massive crowd. I'm thinking like, yo, I might get knocked out in front of everyone. Like, can I, how can I, how can a man like you go home and feel like the king of your castle when you're flat out on your on your hind? Like, that'd make that'd make no sense. But I was like, well, it's for charity, something new. Let's go for it. Thank God I won, and it was all good. But <laughs> but that's that's how I see it. Is in every iteration of life, so whether it's personal or professional. I'm always constantly looking for ways to step outside of my comfort zone. I'm not someone who wants to stay stuck, but I'm someone who wants to feed my curiosity. Like, why can't I do that? I mean, a lot of stuff we say as black people, 
black people don't do that. Black people don't do that. Black people don't do that. And there are some things where it's like, yeah, black people definitely do not do that. But there are other things <laughs> where it's like, we just don't do that because we're too scared. We're too fraidy fraidy. I'm like, nah, I want to, I want to challenge that status quo. I want to try something new and, and exciting. So why not? And we do do that. We do find ourselves in situations and spaces and experiences that are not the norm for, for a lot of black people. And, and it's great. It's a, it's, it's wonderful. That's, but there are certain things that as a black person, I just will not do. <laughs> but that's for another show, perhaps. Live your quotes. That's the name of the newsletter that you need to subscribe to. Go on www.everydayleadership.co.uk, subscribe to Live Your Quotes. It's a bi-weekly newsletter that comes out with a quote with some information on how I'm looking at that quote, how that relates to my life to make it more real and authentic and come alive for you. As well as bits and pieces, it might be books I'm reading, it might be some other content I'm tapping into, and some bits and pieces around the podcast. It's a nice, short, succinct newsletter, which I know you're going to enjoy. But to enjoy it, you need to subscribe to it. So again, if you go to the podcast website, www.everydayleadershippodcast.co.uk, you'll be able to get access to Leave Your Cult newsletter. Now let's get back into the episode. So you deal with like loads of different people, different levels of leadership, different companies that work internationally. What are some of the things that you're seeing currently that frustrates you? Mm. One of the things I've seen that frustrates me is change management. A lot of organizations do change management poorly and they do it over and over again. It's like, you don't learn your lesson the first time. There's no... Like, it's so frustrating because you make a change and you either reorg an organization, change personnel, and the impact and the effect it has on people can be mitigated. Change is part of business, completely understand. The way you communicate that change, it can be done a lot more better. The process they use to make that change can be so much more improved. That is definitely driving me crazy. It's also the realization that a lot of organizations have called themselves global companies for decades. But up until the last couple of years, they haven't been global companies. In the sense that a global company is, I might be based in the UK and I'm reporting to someone in the US. They, and that's the global, that's, that's the reporting line. But now you're in a world, especially post-pandemic, where I'm based in the UK. My team is based in, in Canada. And we're working on completely different time zones, but we are working together on the same thing. How does that work? How do we have team meetings together? Like, and companies are, are, are approaching this with a very one dimensional mindset rather than changing things and really adapting their policies. It's like, oh yeah, we're a global company. We've done it in time. Oh, what we didn't do right now is just have remote working and we have like conferences. And I'm like, no, conferences has always been there. But now, if I'm, if you're both supposed to be in the same team, we're supposed to report into the same person, or working in two completely different time zones, can we have our meetings in a time zone that works for me and you? And that might mean that one person has to sacrifice this week and the next week, rather than you just always having it. Oh, majority of his team is this, so we're going to have it in that particular time zone. I'm like, no, why would you do that? That that shows that I'm, I'm I don't care. If that's the case, then why don't you just make it originalized then, rather than having? So those are some of the things that I'm. I'm seeing that frustrated life for me. I guess the probably the biggest one. There's more. Oh, there's lots. Of- <laughs> I can whip out a scroll. The biggest one. I, the biggest one I would probably say is the use of the word "woke." Mm. Like that. That for me is it's still in Black History Month as well. <laughs> That for me is the biggest frustration and bugbear. Language is important. Woke was a word used and is supposed to be used to address injustice. It's supposed to be used to address racism, 
It's supposed to be used to be like, yo, stay woke, stay woke, stay alert, because this is what's going on in this particular area that you're about to step into, this particular environment. This is what being woke was. This is where it came from. Now it's turned into this. I don't know how to describe what what it means now. It's like, oh, this is this is so woke, and this word is used by every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Oh, the woke the woke crowd are, are doing this again. Therefore, it's not right, and it's just like it's taking away the meaning of what the word stands for. And it frustrates me. How can a word that's supposed to be around used for black people, used for racial discrimination, used for oppression and injustice now be completely used in the mainstream by the likes of Fox News and the Sun newspaper and all this kind of stuff to mean something completely different? Organizations are using it. I had leaders use it. I'm like, come on, man. Like, it's just, it's so wrong. So for me, it annoys the life out of me when that word is used, is used in the wrong context, and they need to stop it. I could stop every single person using it. If everyone, if everyone used it and they used it in the wrong context, could get a slap, I would give them a holy slap. But, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a full palm. Like, that's, just, that's, just, that's just what they'll get. You heard it here, folks. Just stop it. If you don't want to hear it. Just stop it. Let it go. Okay, so those are some of the things that are frustrating you. What are some of the things that you're seeing that excite you? The next generation really excite me. The next generation are approaching life in a way where they are being very, a lot more intentional around their value. So the workplaces that they go to, they are, because the tech that we have available to us, they can do a lot of research. What's the culture? What's the values? Are they really living at what they're saying? Can I reach out to X smart people on LinkedIn and ask them what's really going in the organization? Okay, that's not aligned to who I am, so therefore I'm not going to work there. That for me is like when you're value-driven, it's very, very different to what it was back in the day. And I really, really like that. And it's also their approach to sharing information, to talking, and they are very much more connected because of the world that they have grown up in. They're definitely a lot more connected and therefore a lot more open. So a lot of the typical stereotypes, the way that we've seen racism play out, next generation, I've seen a lot less of that happen. And that for me is something that really, really inspires me and encourages me about the future that we want to create. So that I am definitely loving what else is I'm I'm also still I'm loving there are some amazing businesses that have been birthed and created. And that for me excites me as well. In a time, especially for black businesses where it's like, oh, they get like not point not percent of the funding and women don't get even half of that not point naught. There's so much doom and gloom and there's not a lot of capital being invested in black businesses. But I'm still seeing the rise of those businesses come to life. I'm seeing people like like my boy Andy encouraging people to get involved in angel investing and democratizing finance and opening people's eyes to be like, no, let's let's break some of those those chains from from back in the day. Let's actually start to think about future to think about wealth, generational wealth. Let's think about ways of diversifying our, our portfolios. I'm loving that. I'm seeing people like like my boy Maz with Translate Culture, like growing seven and eight figure brands in the culture based on the culture equity. A lot of times the equity is taken out, out of the, it's used and subjugated by all these different corporates. I'd be like, no, I'm going to invest in our people and make them the seven, eight. I'm loving seeing that come to life. I'm loving like my friend Abdul, he's like storytelling through his brand originated which again, I love to see it. I'm like, why are we always pouring money into all these different brand designer brands and they don't, they don't do nothing for us? Let's pour that money back into our culture, people who are doing something, who mean something to us, so we can recognize that. That for me, I, I love seeing it. And there's so many other businesses like this, so many great authors. My boy, Alex Holmes, is a great author. He focuses on men and mental health. 
Like, again, I love seeing that. I love hearing about that. Those are topics that were very, very taboo. You've got people challenging that. For me, these are things that inspire me. These are things that I love to see. I love to encourage. I love to push. I love to promote. And most of all, I'm just loving the space I'm in. I'm loving the space I'm in with you. I'm loving the space I'm in with my children. And I'm loving what the future looks like. The future is scary. So many different things that I still want to birth and bring to life. There's so many different ways I still want to make a difference. There's so much more that I know I have to give and offer. And a lot of times when I think about that, it is very, very daunting and it's very, very scary. But I'm ready for the ride. I'm ready to step into it. I love that. I love that there's so many people that you just like shouted out and celebrated even in that answer. Maybe that's something you can, you know, those names you can make available to your listeners because I know those companies and stuff are, are really great people that we need to be getting behind and getting the word out about them. And I love what you're doing. You are really good at what you do and people are just starting to see that and get, get a glimpse of that. I know there's so much more to come from you, Mr. Admelusi. Um, <laughs> everyday leadership host, founder of Mindset Shift. But the things that you do in your personal life is what feed into your professional life and not the other way around. So you come alongside people that you love and care about. You ask those challenging and difficult questions. You celebrate people. You call out the things that you see in them. You challenge them to be better and all of those things in your personal life. And then that feeds into what you do in your paid work. You're just are blessed to get paid for it as well. So I celebrate you. I cheer you on. I say keep going, keep doing what you're doing, leading and inspiring and not just navigating spaces, but changing them. Because I feel like we're past that point now where we're just going to navigate certain spaces. We're all about coming and changing the space completely. And I feel like you're really easy on that. So well done. Congratulations on 100. Let's go. And we look forward to hearing more from you and more from your amazing guests. You really have had some great people on the show and I really encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time or you've just uh, got hold of it, go back, listen to the other podcasts, the great guests that have been on over time. It's really valuable time. Invest in you by listening. Do you have any final words for us before we sign off? I just want to say thank you. One thing that I'm very, very conscious of is a lot of times when people come on the podcast, we have some very deep conversations. We've, we've talked, people have cried, people have shared. We've gone from talking about like death of, of loved ones and close ones to living and birth and being alive in so many different ways and shapes and forms to talking about racism, inclusion, leadership, all different aspects of lives. And the conversations that we have is not one that I, I take for granted. So I am always appreciative when people get a random message, voice note, email, whatever it is from someone they don't know. I'm like, do you want to come on and have a conversation? And I'm not necessarily going to give you all the questions. I'm just going to surprise you with them. We're going to go at the slope. It's not the easiest thing to do, but it's definitely been worthwhile. I have definitely learned a lot. I know others have as, have as well, and they've been blessed by it. So thank you very much. And here is to at least a hundred more episodes. Let's see what we're Let's do this. <laughs> no, well done. And the tables were turned today because you weren't given the questions ahead of time either. You had to think on your feet and give really authentic answers. So I appreciate you stepping up in your comfort zone and doing this today. I think it was a really special show. So well done. Thank you very much. My amazing, wonderful guest, it's Everyday Leadership. We'll see you next week. Here's a quick preview. 
before we got to the mark in this episode. Make sure you're following the show so you don't miss out on this amazing guest. I am responsible to myself to make sure that I'm not encroaching on someone else's freedom and I'm not allowing anyone else to encroach on my freedom.